You are listening to Adventures in Buddhism. I'm your host, Morris Sullivan. You'll notice a little change from the usual format today. I haven't recorded live Dharma talks at Buddhist temples or churches and stuff for a little while. I've been experimenting with doing some online talks and recording those, and that might work out. And sooner or later, I'll start giving some live talks again. But in the meantime, I'm going to record things here in my home studio. So to start us off, I want to share with you a poem that I wrote during a recent visit to Florida. It's called Contemplating Moo at White Sands. And let me explain before I read this, Moo, M-U, is a Japanese word that means no, more or less. It's prominent in koan practice. So if you become a Zen student, you may very well find yourself contemplating Mu one day yourself. So here's the poem. So much on my mind now, Mu, the trip so exhausting, Mu, stuff all over, sitting, flying, riding, waiting, standing, Mu, mockingbird sings. So much to do, Mu, talk Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mu, Saturday, Sunday, Mu, rooster crows. So tired, Moo. I need to remember to remember to talk to her about him, about that, about this, Moo. Trucks on the highway. So much to say, Moo. What will I talk about, Moo? Cool breeze. So much, too many, Moo. Mockingbird sings, Moo. Rooster crows. Trucks on the highway. Cool breeze. I spent a couple of weeks back in Florida in March. I led services in Deland and went to the Correctional Institution for services there, and also at White Sands Buddhist Center. In fact, I had scheduled the trip so that I could be at White Sands for a one-day retreat, along with the abbot, Venerable Kai Tien. And during the retreat, we opened up for questions a couple of times, and at one of them, somebody said to the abbot something about coming to White Sands for peace. In his answer, Kai Tien said something like, there's no peace at White Sands. It was a little bit of a slip of the tongue. It wasn't exactly what he meant to say, and it got a laugh, but then he elaborated on it and turned it into a really nice teaching. There's no peace at White Sands. It's kind of a strange thing to say about a place that I think is probably one of the most peaceful places on the planet. And so later on, Venerable Kai Chen and I were joking about that. We decided that we'd base our Dharma talks the next day on the theme, No Peace at White Sands. So if you've ever been to White Sands Buddhist Center, you'll know that it's a very peaceful place. People come there every day just to spend time on the grounds, enjoying the gardens, sitting quietly immersed in the peacefulness of the place. In fact, several travel writers have commented on it in national publications, and it's listed as one of the rare treasures in that part of Florida, specifically because of the landscaping and the statuary and how that creates such a sense of peace. And yet... There is no peace at White Sands. So this is like a koan. You know what a koan is, right? We use these in Zen training. Koan is a question or a story that presents a problem, but one that can't be solved by thinking about it or reasoning it out, anything like that. It doesn't make sense until you let go of trying to make sense of it. 
and then open up to a deeper truth about it. So I read you that poem earlier about Mu, and Mu is a koan. So the koan is this. Joshu, one of the great Zen patriarchs, was talking to a monk. As they were talking, a dog walked by, and the monk asked, does the dog have Buddha nature? Joshu answered, Mu. Well, all things have Buddha nature. All beings have the seed of awakening, and in some sense, all things have Buddha nature in that they are all oneness, which is the ground of Buddhahood. Obviously, the dog has Buddha nature. So the problem in the koan is, why did Joshu say Mu? I've worked with Mu as a koan before in, in one tradition, and now I'm working on it in another. You can't solve it by speculation or reason or Googling it or anything like that. You sit with Mu until it becomes clear. And that can take a long time. You have to immerse yourself in it. You can only do that by letting go of the idea that there's a search and a seeker among other things. So there's no peace at White Sands. Let me see if I can help you use this idea in a way that you can practice with it. So when people tell me that they come to White Sands for peace, they're really looking for inner peace. Well, where do you find inner peace? I sometimes like to quote something that one of the Thai masters said about inner peace. He said, to look for inner peace is like looking for a turtle with a mustache. What he meant by that was that if we look for peace in a place, in a political party, in a special meditation technique, anything like that, it will always elude us. If you're looking anywhere outside of yourself for inner peace, you're looking in the wrong place. So we can seek inner peace but never find it because it's our attachment to ideas like me and peace that creates turmoil. Okay, that seems a bit abstruse, I bet. But you know, people seek peace, contentment, happiness, and so on, and many different things. Sometimes we're plagued by desire. Man, I really need a new job, or I really need a new car, or a new girlfriend, or more money, or whatever. If I can just get that thing I need, then I can have peace. But it doesn't work that way. If you satisfy a desire, eventually you'll just desire something else. That's how desire works. If we get what we want, desire may settle down for a while, give us a little bit of peace, but pretty soon we're thinking of something else that we can't have any peace without. So if you've ever been addicted to something, cigarettes or whatever, then you've seen this in a really obvious way. You light a cigarette and you get a little bit of peace, but then pretty soon you're lighting another cigarette. The only way to get free from that to get real peace from that particular addiction is to not get what you want. If you don't smoke, the desire grows and grows, but when you recognize it as just a desire and not a reality, the desire gradually has less hold on you. But maybe you're not a smoker. We look for peace in places that aren't quite that obvious, in our family, in our community, at work, even in our spiritual community. We might even set our sights on something very big, like world peace. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that, and a great deal of good that comes from it. It's great when families can learn to communicate more peacefully. It's wonderful when a spiritual community can really harmonize. And we could have a very amazing world if politicians would stop fighting and undermining each other in order to just amass power and simply focus on solving problems and making the world a better place. 
But would that really be peace, true peace? Yes, external, peaceful circumstances would make for easier, more pleasant lives. But as long as our minds are in turmoil, our world is in turmoil. To be sure, it is easier to create peace if you're in a peaceful place. But I know people who live in a prison, but have found peace there. And I meet people in temples who have not. For true peace, you need to calm your mind. You can't do that by figuring something out. It's like trying to figure out why Joshu said moo. You have to embody it. Going to someplace like White Sands or your own temple or church or whatever, that's a very good way to start. Practicing what is taught at a place like that is a good way to begin to embody peace. While I was talking about this, a prayer popped into my mind. This prayer doesn't come from a Buddhist tradition. It's actually Christian. It's often identified as the prayer of St. Francis, although scholars say it didn't originate with St. Francis. It seems to have appeared several hundred years after his lifetime in a French Christian magazine. Whatever the source, I have found this prayer helpful in my own practice. Many years ago, I was going through a time of great inner and outer turmoil. And while I was trying to work things out, I had started meditating more and trying to develop a more substantial practice. And in the process, I read this book by an Indian meditation teacher named Eswaran, and he suggested memorizing this prayer and using it as an object of meditation. So I did, and it was very helpful. I have adapted it since then. The original is written as a supplication, asking God for something. I changed it to a vow, and because that's more in line with my practice. So I'll share it with you, and you're welcome to use this if you like. I vow to be an instrument of peace. Where there is hatred, may I sow love. Where there is injury, may I sow forgiveness. Where there is doubt, may I sow faith. Where there is despair, may I bring hope. Where there is darkness, may I bring light. Where there is sadness, may I bring joy. I vow that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in transcending the self that we awaken to oneness. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures in Buddhism. I'll be back soon with another one. In the meantime, I hope this helps you find some peace in places where there is no peace. Now go save the world. Music